We've been working hard for about a year on getting a radio station, and I wanted to give you an update. And this time, I get to give you a visual update, if we can put that picture on the screen. And in a second, I'll give you an audio update. I want you to take note of something in this picture. Do you see to the right side of the, the, the computer, those boxes in front of the darkened out window? Well, there's a couple things, a bunch of stuff in there, and that's going to go up to the tower sometime in July, hopefully. And and then in the corner, you can see these tall boxes that kind of go up all the way to the top of the picture. Those boxes are the antenna. There's two pieces to the antenna. It's an omnidirectional antenna, but it, it, it gets it omnidirectional by having two antennas pointed a little bit opposite each other, and they each have a a, a big wide area they cover, and when, they, when they're together, they're able to cover the entire area. So you'll be able to get this signal in the mountains behind Black Mountain. But mostly we're trying to get up into Canada and down to Sandpoint and, and primarily Bonner's Ferry. We should be able to cover 95% of the homes in Boundary County. I'm pretty excited. Would you like to hear a little bit of our radio station? Yes. Okay, let's, let's listen to that. Hi, my name is Ruby, and you're listening to 90.7 KQFR, Cornerstone Family Radio, and beautiful Bonners Ferry, Idaho. Hi, my name is Izzy. <laughs> Hi, my name is Vody, and you're listening to 90.7 KQFR, Cornerstone Family Radio. Hi, my name is Jordan, and you're listening to 90.7 KQFR, Cornerstone Family Radio. Remember that Jesus loves you. I'm Iris, and this is 90.7 KQFR, Cornerstone Family Radio. Thanks for listening. Hi, my name is Evie, and you're listening to 90.7 KQFR, Cornerstone Family Radio. Hi, I'm Liesl. And my name is Gabriel, and you're listening to 90.7 KQFR. Cornerstone Family Radio. Hi, my name is Leah. You're listening to 90.7 KQFR Cornerstone Family Radio. Stick around for more family programming. Hi, my name is Garrett. And my name is Max. You're listening to 90.7 KQFR Cornerstone Cornerstone Family Family Radio. Stay tuned into Jesus. Hi, my name is Adeline, and you're listening to 90.7 KQFR Cornerstone Family Radio. Stay tuned into Jesus. Hi, my name is Nathaniel, and you're listening to 90.7 KQFR, Cornerstone Family Radio. Stay tuned into Jesus. It won't be very long, and Iris and and Nathaniel are going to have their own radio shows. (laughs) I love hearing those those voices, don't you? I didn't get all of them on there. I I missed a couple, uh, and I'm sorry for that. But um, the, the, the idea is that our kids are going to be involved in the radio station. And wouldn't it be fun to hear that voice on the radio as you're driving down the road? Maybe a verse of the week or um, some little story or just to say you're listening to, the, to our radio station here in Bonners Ferry. I'm excited. And I'm hoping that in August we can get this installed and, and uh, turned on. And if you'd like to see that happen, then please join us in prayer Oh, I have a hand. This isn't usual in a sermon. But is there somebody that can give Nico a mic? Apparently, we we need to say something. We do need to say something. I just want to tell you that that beautiful table that you see 
was made by our pastor, and the wood was given by my brother um, through David, who also does woodworking. But isn't that a beautiful table? Let's give pastor a hand. (laughs) Well, thank you. That that wasn't absolutely necessary to say, but thank you very much. (laughs) You'll notice that there's three places that people can sit on there. And right at the beginning of the, or front of the picture, there's a, a microphone at the table and a seat. And then if you look across the way, you'll see another seat. And then you look to the right and you'll see the seat where there's a, a computer and all the controls. So the intention is, and the, what we're setting this up to be able to do is that we'll have um, a, a pre-recorded shows that we can produce out of this little studio, which is right here um, at the, the corner of our, our podium here. And we'll be able even at at some point to do a live streaming call-in program. We have all the equipment necessary to do that. Um, So we're excited. We're going to start really simple. We're going to start with a satellite feed from Lifetalk Radio and then a little little bit of station identifiers. And then we're going to add piece by piece as we grow in our skill and our ability and our talent. So um, keep praying for us that uh, the Lord will open all the doors that need to be opened so that we can have this live as soon as possible. Well, I just wanted to give you that update, let you know that exciting things are happening. Why should we go to church? How many of you got my email yesterday or this morning and came to church specifically this morning because you were like, yeah, I'd really like to know why I should come to church. There, there's lots of reasons not to go to church. I mean, let's just be honest with, uh, with ourselves. Um, some people argue that w- why should we go to a church filled with hypocrites? I mean, haven't you seen the things that those people do during the week? Come on with all their smiley faces if ev- as, if, as if everything's fine. And then during the week, you know, stuff is happening. Others say that um, church people, all they want is your money. They just want to get the, make the church bigger and have more people there, and, and they're just interested in money and fame. And Others say the church is irrelevant. I mean, it talks about stuff that's thousands of years old. Why don't they engage in real-life stuff that matters to us today? The church just isn't doing anything of importance for me. Some people say God is not present in the church. They'll point out, oh, that church doesn't have the Spirit. Why go to church, right? Uh, There's all kinds of judgment. If I bring me, my real self, to church, they're just going to look down at at me and their long noses. Some people don't trust pastors. I've had a few people tell me that here in Boundary County. (laughs) Um, Hopefully, they, they trust me more than most pastors, but I'm still in the category, so... The church, some people say, has just changed too much. They're they're following the culture. I mean, why can't we have a church like I had when I was growing up? Some people say the church is too political or not political enough. Um, They don't have enough stuff for children. I might as well find a place where my kids are ministered to. Um, Some people just say I'm too busy. I work too much. I really need to sleep in in on the uh, weekends. And then probably the most significant, this is probably the real reason behind most of these reasons, I just don't want to. Now, if you and I were honest with ourselves, would some of those reasons, or maybe a few others that I didn't mention, resonate with us? And if so, why go to church? 
Why even come? In 2018, Pew Research did a study on why people do and don't go to church. And they found that the largest number of people who don't go to religious meetings consider themselves Christians, which is surprising. And, and the largest number of those Christians or who say they don't go to religious meetings are women who are 50 years and older. And the reasons that they give, the top reason is, um, I practice my faith in other ways. The, the church isn't really working for me spiritually. I, I practice my faith in other ways. Um, some say that they haven't found a church that they like. Um, some say that they just physically can't. They've got some health condition that prevents them from being able to. Now, I understand that there's, there's some good reasons not to go to church. Uh, some of them are, you know, for instance, health. If you can't make it to church, you can't make it to church. And I'm really glad that we have a live stream. Since the uh, COVID came around, we invested in some technology and we can have people watching from home. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work perfectly. And you've probably seen this where we've started a live stream and then it goes blank and then you have to go searching for it again or it doesn't show up. Today, it's... Um, it's on Vimeo, but it's not on YouTube and Facebook. Just some little technological thing, hit a button a different way, and, and uh, things happen. And so we understand if you, you sometimes are frustrated with our live stream. But I'm really glad that for people who can't attend, we have an option for them. But, but is there a reason why you shouldn't just go home and watch the live stream? Is there a reason to be part of this experience in church today? Why go to church? can you be a Christian without attending church? Well, the answer is yes, but, or uh, as we used to say when we were kids, yeah, but, and my dad would say, what's a yeah, but? (laughs) Is it related to a rabbit? (laughs) Yeah, you can be a Christian, but, there's a big but here. assuming that you're medically and, and, you know, otherwise able to attend church, should you attend? Is this some kind of a mandate from God? Well, let's start with an idea in the New Testament. Um, You can find it everywhere you see the word church. And, And the word in Greek is ekklesia or ekklesia, depending on who you are. Ekklesia. And it just means a really simple idea. Gathering. That's the word. It's an idea. Church is an idea. The idea of God's people gathering together. So every time, every single time you see the word church, it means gathering or assembly, which maybe points out uh, some activities that were going on in the church when the church was being formed. In Acts 16.5, the Bible says the churches were being strengthened in the faith. And they increased in numbers daily. The gatherings, the assembly of God's people were strengthening in their faith and increasing in numbers. The implication is they got together. The basic idea of church is they got together. When people give their lives to Jesus, they become part of God's family. This is a spiritual concept, and it's uh, something you're probably familiar with, the idea of God's children. When you say yes to Jesus, please take my heart, Jesus, you become a child of God, which means the person in front of you and behind you and beside you is a, a sibling. And that's why the early church called each other brother and sister. They were saying, you're my brother in Jesus. We're related to each other. And so the family of God would get together. 
You become part of God's family. Why would you go off to, the, to, to, to hang out at home when the family's got a meeting and you're going to have a meal together? Get together with the family is the idea. And, and so they would. They'd give their hearts to Jesus. The church wouldn't abandon them to their home. They'd go drag them from their home to the assembly to hang out together and to grow together and to eat together and enjoy life together. So if you look at this idea throughout the Bible, you find it the family of God. You find Peter talking about the temple of God, and he describes each of us as living stones with Christ as the chief cornerstone. And you find Paul talking about the body. And he says that Jesus is the head, and we are all its members. I don't know if you're a thumb or a, a belly button or an ear or a nose, but, but you're part of Jesus' body. Fed and nourished by Jesus himself and connected unless you're torn off to every other part of the body. So this is the idea the Bible gives about church. It's an assembly, a connectedness, a togetherness, a familiness of God's people. But why do we gather? What's the point of getting together? Well, there's three ideas, three big ideas that I've told you before. It's not a new, new thought, so we're just going to underscore a few things. Number one, we get together for worship. Number two, we get together for discipleship. And number three, we get together for mission or for outreach. These are kind of the three fundamental roots of most of the reasons that we should go to church. And let's look at the, the first idea of worship really quick. Worship is, <clears throat> worship is something that transcends a building. You aren't just worshiping when you come to church. God invites uh, our lives to be a sacrifice of praise to him, which means that everything I do, even the things I eat, the words that I say, the, the work that I accomplish, all of those things are supposed to be a worship to God, which makes you stop and say, can I say that this activity is worshiping God? It's, it's good to, to ask that question. But if that's the case, then why get together for worship? If, if worship is part of everything that I do, what's the point of getting together for worship? I'd say this. Worship individually isn't enough. God is too great. He is too wonderful. He's too marvelous for us to keep it uh, just to ourselves in some uh, passive worship. God invites us to do what the angels did in Revelation 4. Turn there with me. You have to read it along because it's just so cool. Revelation chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. I'll give you a moment. Revelation 4, verses 8 through 11. It says, The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, full of eyes all around and within, day and night they never cease to say this, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. We get together to worship together because God is worthy of our worship. And, and when we join our voices together in praise, when we uh, listen to God's word being spoken, we are glorifying the God who is worthy of our worship. 
Jesus said, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And Paul told us that we should worship God together. He said this in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. He's inviting the church corporately to worship God. Part of the Christian worship has been and is still today preaching. And I like how Timothy is, is uh, encouraged to preach. Uh, Paul says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. But then he says to the Corinthians, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God that through the foolishness of what we preach to save those that believe. I think that it's probably wise to say that my sermons are foolishness compared to the great wisdom of God. But there's something about preaching that we need. So we get together, we get together to sing praises, to bow before God in surrender and, and uh, in worship, and also to hear God's word spoken, to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort. Paul says that The word of God is living and active. It's not so much what I say, but the word of God itself is living and active, and it's sharp like a two-edged sword, and it pierces like uh, a scalpel would, dividing soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word gets into our hearts, and it does surgery. We need surgery. On a regular basis, we need the surgery that comes through the preaching of God's word. So that's worship. We get together because God is worthy of our worship and because we need the the heart-piercing work of God's word. But also we get together for discipleship. Discipleship, there's lots of aspects to this, um, but the most clear thing that the Bible tells us is that we need a shared Christian experience, that we will not thrive spiritually on our own. In Proverbs 27, 17, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. What happens if you were to take two pieces of of steel and slide them together? You ever get a spark, maybe? (laughs) Sometimes there's sparks in the church and we don't really like that. It's not comfortable when there's conflict and struggle. But you know what? We need a little bit of conflict roughening up a little bit. Sometimes our ideas need to clash with somebody else's ideas so that we can realize how dull our understanding of God is. We each come to our spiritual walk from different experiences with different ideas, different um, sets of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And when we share our own perspective, we get a more multifaceted view of God than we could have by ourselves. And sometimes we find that our ideas of God are just plain wrong. And we find more beauty in the truth that we find in his word because somebody else was paying a little more attention than we were or studied a passage we hadn't looked at yet. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. This is, um, Harry Thomas likes to tell me that this is his spiritual gift, the stirring up. (laughs) That's his job that God's given him. (laughs) Stirring up each other to love and good works. 
And this interaction is intended to unite us in God's purposes. Ephesians 4 says, speak the truth in love. That's a really important thing. We need to speak the truth in love. Let's not come to church and, and have some facade and, and try to, to, to whitewash everything. There's no problems. There's no issues. We all agree. That's not the intention. But if we only speak the truth, that's not very nice. We need to speak the truth in love. And when we do that... We grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When love is our, our foundation, when truth is uh, the, the way that we approach everything, then the result is our association with each other grows each other. Do you want to grow up in Jesus? Come to church. Now, I say come to church, come to the gathering, come to where God's people gather together, which means that that's this where I'm preaching and where we sing some songs. But it's also the Sabbath school that happens before, that small group where you get to interact and discuss and, and um, band around ideas and ask questions. And, and it's also, maybe if you can't get to the, the 930 Sabbath school, it's also the small groups that meet during the week. Uh, and we've got on Tuesday night and, and Wednesday night, we've got salvation in symbols and signs. On Monday night, we, uh, starting on the 30th, we have a new uh, addiction recovery program. If that's something that you have as, as part of your history, that small group might be a really good place for you to, to continue to grow. Uh, we have a grief recovery group on Tuesday nights as well uh, for another few weeks. If that's part of your history and experience, that might be the place for you to grow. Discipleship, getting together where you can rub shoulders and ask questions and dig into God's word is an essential part of doing church. Churches are filled with all sorts of people. Do you notice that? Big and small, young and old. Every stripe of experience and political ideas. And Jesus made children a special priority. In Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. The title for heaven, the deed of heaven, is not yours and mine. It's, it's our children's. Which means that we need, to, we need to make them a priority, doesn't it? And participating in church is a way that we ground our children in faith. Proverbs says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I've heard so many stories of that family who brought their kid to, to Sabbath school week after week after week. And when they left, years later, they had kids, and they said, I want my kid to have that same experience. They came back to church, and their faith revived. Train up a child in the way he should go. Bring him to church where discipleship happens, and that's an opportunity for kids to grow in Jesus. Titus invites us to do something, kind of child-related. Paul is talking to Titus, and he says, Let the older men, who are sober-minded, dignified and self-controlled, sound in faith and in love and in steadfastness, also older women who are likewise reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to wine, let them teach what is good. 
And so train up the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure and working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may be not reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. There's an idea of mentorship that goes on here. Iron sharpening iron means some of those that with more wisdom, hanging out with some of those with less wisdom. Intergenerational relationships is what God's church is designed around, which is why we sit in this room together. We don't just have a children's church out there. But we have children and older folks and people in the middle, all in the mix. God's designed church to be mentorship and discipleship oriented. Bear one another's burdens, he says. And and he says, don't let there be division in the body, but let the members have the same care for one another. Church is about community and caring and loving and supporting each other. It's, It's like a family. We get together. Somebody's got a problem, we help them out. So we have worship, we have discipleship, and lastly, we have outreach. God has called the church to mission. He doesn't call us to just sit around here looking at each other and smiling. He wants us to go about his mission. He's got a purpose for the church, and that's to take the gospel to the world. He says, go ye into all the world, making disciples, teaching, preaching, baptizing in my name. And he says, one time he's, he's passing by this field and it's ready to harvest. And he points to the field and, and he looks at his disciples and he says, look, the harvest is ripe, but there's very few laborers. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. And then what does he do? He turns to his disciples just a few days later and he says, uh, you and you go, <laughs> you and you, you go over there and you and you, I want you over here. And he sends them out on a mission. God invites us into his presence to worship him, to grow in him. And then he sends us on his errands. And some of those errands might be like, like the uh, disciples, not the disciples, the deacons that were called in Acts uh, that we read in our scripture reading. And it might be something, uh, you know, that's waiting tables as Paul described it, or as Peter described it rather. But it might be uh, an evangelist. It might be um, a, somebody that cares about hospitality. It could be any type of ministry for God that moves the kingdom of God forward. But God calls all of us to be part of his mission. In Ephesians 4, he said, he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Did you know that my primary job isn't preaching? Some of you are like, (laughs) my primary job is to put you to work in God's vineyard. That's what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes you resist. I I understand. Um, But my primary job is to move the church out into the community to help this kingdom of God grow by sharing the gospel with those in our neighborhoods. I'd say the most significant reason the church exists And the reason we should come to church is because God tells us to. He says in Hebrews 10, 25, don't neglect to meet together like some people are prone to do, but meet together all the more as you see the day of Jesus Christ approaching. Meet together. God tells us to do this. And in Revelation 21, 3, we see a loving church that's meeting together. And where are they meeting? 
Revelation 21.3, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This is the design of church. It's to be together with God. We get together to hang out with God as a prelim to heaven, a foretaste of what heaven will be like. And in uh, Revelation 15.3, it says that they were singing in this gathering with with, uh, God. They said, It says that they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of nations. I want to sing that song of Moses and the Lamb. How about you? Did you know we can sing it today? We are the redeemed of God, and we don't have to wait until heaven to sing about our great Redeemer. Every time we come to church, every song that we sing from our hymnal or praise songs, these are songs of the Moses and the Lamb, the song of redemption and the songs of heaven. As we conclude, I'd like to give you one more reason why we come to church. And it's something that Jesus told us to do. In Acts chapter 2, the the end of the, the story of that first day of the Christian church, it says that they all continued in the teachings of the apostles in prayer and in breaking of bread. And part of that breaking of bread was uh, uh, the, the, um, just fellowship around a meal. That's the kind of thing we do every week when we have a fellowship meal, which we won't have today, by the way. We're going to do something else. Um, but the other part of that, every time they met together as a church for a fellowship meal, they practiced what we'd know as communion or the Lord's Supper. It was a, a symbol of Jesus' sacrifice. And in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four and 25, Paul said it this way. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he said about the bread, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Get together, he says, and remember me together. So today we're going to practice what Jesus told us as a church to do. We're going to remember his sacrifice. First, before we do the communion, we're going to divide into, um, into some groups to do a foot washing. Some call it the ordinance of humility because it invites us to serve each other. So the, the gentlemen will be in the, the two Sabbath school rooms at the end of the hall. Um, the ladies will be in the junior Sabbath school room and uh, uh, families and couples can be in the, the fellowship area. If you can't make it downstairs easily, that's okay. We're going to have right up here in the front of the church, we're going to have an opportunity for those who can't make it down um, to, to do the foot washing right here. And if you are a child and you've chosen not to participate in some way, or your parents allow you to, I'll meet with you in the back and tell you a story. So let's go ahead right now and divide for the foot washing. Some people wonder what the um, cloth 
on top of this represents. It represents the grave clothes of Jesus, neatly folded. Jesus gave everything. All heaven was realigned for our salvation. Everything that everybody did in all of the universe changed when we rebelled and God said, I'm going to save them. And what we're doing right now is a remembrance of that, of the fact that God has given everything for each of us. And when we take the little piece of bread and we take the grape juice and we drink it, we're doing what Jesus told us to do. We're eating his body and drinking his blood. It's a symbol of a total surrender that he becomes part of us, Christ in us. That's the hope of our salvation. And we're saying, I'm going to live my life in you. Christ in us and our life lived in Christ. We practice open communion, which means that you don't have to be a baptized member to participate in communion here. Um, But what we do ask is that when you do this, it's not just a food that you're taking. As you take this symbol, you're actually saying to Jesus, my whole life is yours. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you for the sacrifice that you have made for each one of us. And as we partake of this, and we can't give thanks enough, we just pray, Lord, that you would bless us with your spirit. We pray that you would bless, Father, this bread for our spiritual well-being, Lord that we may have this close encounter with you, that as we come together as this family and partake of this bread, that you would be glorified, Father, and that we can truly surrender our lives totally to you and have that spiritual food to take us forward, that we can be your witnesses. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, Jesus, our Heavenly Father, our Savior, we can comprehend the sacrifice that you did for us, leaving heaven, being a king in heaven, glorified, and yet you came to be a peasant, a servant for us. We can imagine the scenes of what you went through as you were sacrificed before as you were taking a beating and your blood was pouring out and as you were attached to the cross. It's hard to comprehend that, that somebody would do that for us, such love. And Lord, we just thank you for that sacrifice. And today as we take of this drink that you have gave us an example before you went to such exercise of humility and love we thank you and we glorify your name make us worthy purify us and change our hearts in jesus name we pray amen
as we pass out these emblems, it might be a good time to talk to your kids and remind them about what this is, the symbol is for, or to bow your heads in prayer and thank Jesus and talk to him about this sacrifice. No one is left out of the kingdom of God. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it.
Jesus' sacrifice is, it is our hope. And, and it's not just hope because of some magical thing. It's hope that we'll be with God soon, that Jesus will return to take us and live with him. That's the hope that his death promises and his resurrection guarantees. Would you stand together with me as we sing a a hymn? We have this hope. It's number 214 in your hymnal.